Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Music, nothing personal word of the day for Thursday, February 10th, 2022 is music, as in face the music. Roger Goodell had no choice yesterday but to face the music. I want to get right into it. We have a packed show today. We've got football. We've got baseball. We've got basketball. February 10th, trade deadline, 3 p.m. You may be listening to this after 3 p.m., in which case you'll know who was traded in the NBA and who wasn't. Harden stain put so is Westbrook. Wait, we'll talk about that later. You may hear later what Rob Manfred had to say after the owners meeting. We'll talk about it first. Yes, spring training will get postponed. Everyone stay calm. But we start with the NFL because, of course, it's the NFL. Have you ever read or heard less about a Super Bowl leading up to a Super Bowl than this year? This is my 53rd Super Bowl. I think that may be right. Yes, 53rd, 54th, something. Well, I was born February 26th. Was there a Super Bowl in 69? Is that when the Packers won? Was that Super Bowl one? You know, we did not talk about this before we started Coca. I'm right here on top. We're starting with music. Anyway, so the Super Bowl is a time. There used to be two weeks in between. Sometimes there was one week this year. There's two weeks between the conference championships. And this is the dream where everybody is focused on your crown jewel. There are specific rules in baseball about what you can do during the course of the World Series, what can be announced, what teams can do, what they can't do, permission you have to get. You actually have to call the commissioner when you want to do something during the World Series, when you want to do anything public that could have national prominence, because the focus has to be on the World Series or the Super Bowl. So this year, if you survey the top 100 answers on the board, who is playing in this year's Super Bowl? Eh, Tom Brady. Survey says 30. I bet 30 out of 100 people think Brady's playing in the Super Bowl. Or maybe they think, maybe they think Brian Flores is coaching the Super Bowl. Maybe they think that Daniel Snyder's team is in the Super Bowl. Is it really Joe Burrow against Matthew Stafford? The Bengals, the Rams? So everyone's in LA. It used to be, do you remember when you'd watch TV and they'd land, the teams would land in LA or land wherever the school was being played and everyone would get all excited. They'd be coming off the plane and you'd look to see what earphones they're wearing. Hey, look, those are Beats. Hey, look, he's got the Air Pro Maxes. Wow, look at that outfit. And then there'd be media day and you'd be waiting for amazing things to be said by the players, everyone focused. Can you imagine? We're barely hearing about Odell Beckham Jr., which could be a huge story. We're barely talking about Sean McVay and his coaching tree as a 30-something 
Kennel and Patricia Wedig year old, where this is his second Super Bowl. It's all about off the field things. The focus is not on the Super Bowl. Roger Goodell sits with his people and says, what do we do? I always meet the media during this week. Media availability. I can't not meet the media. I can't tell the media in advance what to talk about, can I? I have an idea, Roger, said his head of communications. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you meet the media exactly on schedule. You're going to do it on Wednesday. You're going to do it the same day you always. But we are going to go to our own network, NFL Network. We're going to have them ask the first question. And we're not going to have them ask a question about the game. Because if someone asks about the game or I start talking about the game, we're going to look bad for not talking about what everybody's talking about on all the sports and not sports networks, which is the diversity issue, the tanking issue, throwing games issue, and all the other things brought up in the Brian Flores lawsuit. And before we meet the media, we have to have a meeting, Roger. Well, what are we doing here? Who, who do I have to see? All right, just tell me. I need you to sit with Sharpton. Imagine being the person who gets called to have the meetings every time there's a problem in diversity or with racism. When another thing happens, another horrific shooting or another discrimination, racist thing, you know the phone's ringing. You're calling on Reverend Al Sharpton because there's going to be a white person who has to meet with you. I've done that. I haven't been the white person who's had to meet with anyone, but I've had people meet with people. Remember, that's what we did with Ozzie Gee, and I've told you that story. When he said something about Castro in Miami in 2012, we put him on the circuit. We gave him the list of people he had to go meet with. Because then we get to say publicly, we have started the rehabilitation tour. And as I called out Myers Leonard for telling you that he wouldn't do it, and then complimenting him when he actually did, when the cameras stopped rolling, what Roger Goodell did by meeting yesterday with a group of civil rights leaders, including the Reverend Al Sharpton, was simply so he could tell people that he had met with civil rights groups, including the Reverend Al Sharpton. So Roger Goodell agrees to have that meeting. Of course, they're going to tell people about that meeting because they're not doing it because they want to make change. They're doing it because we are telling them as a society, if you don't do it, we will feel worse about supporting you as white privileged people. We want to watch the game. We want to bet on the game. We want to love the NFL. We want the violence. But by the way, pay those men their money when they get concussions. It's amazing, right? It's so hard to work in the sports industry when fans are telling you they want you to do something, but at the end of the day, they actually don't care. And I'm not saying anything so controversial. The majority of people watching football, the majority of sponsors who are paying football to be associated with football who have consumers who use those products. Their main goal is money. It's to push their product. It's to sell their products and they can have measurable results. It's why boycotts are so scary when they actually work. The threat of boycotting products, that's not that exciting. But it has to be a direct conversation from sponsors or fans to ever make a difference. We saw what happened with the Washington Red Anders. The partners of Daniel Snyder said, you better get rid of the name Redskins or we're taking away all of our money. 
That's when action happens. So far, nobody. Has anyone pulled out of their Super Bowl ads? I'm just asking. People couldn't be happier to pay NBC seven large for 30 secs. They're all excited. Everyone doesn't. You can't even go to the bathroom during the Super Bowl because you want to see all the Super Bowl ads. Then I come to you on Monday with the top five Super Bowl ads. We do a whole segment about it. Has anyone pulled their ad? I guarantee you're going to see a bunch of socially conscious ads. You're going to see a bunch of things going on pregame, during the game, during the commercials. And all of it will be so you can feel better about watching what you're watching and not believing what you're hearing. So Roger Goodell meets with the civil rights people. Great. Thank you. Then he tells his PR people, all right, I agree to the plan. What's the plan? We're going to have NFL Network. We're going to have a reporter from the network. And the first question he's going to ask you is going to be about diversity. And this way, you're answering a question. You're not running away from it. And you are recognizing that it's something that must be addressed immediately. Do you think we're morons? Do you think for one second, I've seen this happen, where you plant questions with certain members of the media in advance of a press conference? I'm going to go to you first. Do you remember Morgan Freeman and Tia Leone, for Christ's sake? Coca, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Any idea? Deep impact? Nothing? Nothing? Ellie? Extinction level event? Unbelievable. He has no idea. There's a movie called Deep Impact. It's a great movie. You should check it out one time. Just remember, if a tsunami's coming, you may just want to go to the beach. Did I ever tell you my tsunami story, Coca? My tsunami story from 2006? Have you ever heard that? Okay. A very quick detour on a tsunami story. So 2006, I was in Hawaii to do the Ironman. And I got there a week in advance because you're surrounded by professionals. It's really for the best iron men and the best athletes in the world. And I got there as a media exemption because they had a camera follow me for 15 hours and 36 minutes as the first and only ever team president to do the Hawaii Ironman. I trained for a year. I didn't go out during the weekends. You do bricks every weekend, which means you run and you and you swim or you bike and you swim or you bike and you run. You do two of the three disciplines. That's called the brick. Anyway, get to Hawaii. And this is soon after that tragedy that happened in Thailand with the big tsunami. There was a movie about that with Naomi Watts, which is a great but sad movie. And Ewan McGregor, and I can't remember what it's called, but I watched it and liked it a lot, although it's very hard to watch. So in Hawaii, and I'm staying in a two-bedroom suite with the guy I'm doing it with. His name was Brad Miller. Name still is Brad Miller. And all of a sudden, at about 6 o'clock in the morning, it was the impossible. Thank you, Koga. All of a sudden, at 6 o'clock in the morning, I hear, and this is 2006. This is five years after 9-11. I hear a jet plane about to hit the hotel. And... I was absolutely scared out of my mind because I thought there was a plane that was hitting the hotel in the middle of Kona. No idea why, but my first thought was 9-11. And that's what an earthquake sounds like. And then I realized it was an earthquake. So I ran out of bed and I was screaming to Brad in the other room to wake up. And I'd remembered somewhere that you're supposed to stand under a, in a door frame. So I opened the room the door, the main door, and I stood there and there were other people in the hallway doing the same thing. So Brad gets out, we're standing there and it is as loud as a jet plane and it's shaking and it's crazy. And I think the building's gonna fall down. We're on like the third floor in Hawaii. 
and then it stops and everything is all over the place. It's things that fallen off shelves. And then we go downstairs and we're all there to see whether or not the structure is OK, because we're not allowed to go back. They they get us out of the hotel. They say you can't go back. And we wanted to get sleep, but we had to take a bike ride as a practice. And we were going to do a run right on the Queen K Highway. And then rumors came around that there could be a tsunami. And we said, my God, what are we going to do? If it's a tsunami, it's just like Thailand. We're going to die because we're right on the beach. So we said we're going full deep impact. And we walked to the sand because there was no way to outrun it. There were people, there were Ironmen in the hotel who got in their bikes, Coca, and they started riding up to higher ground. And we were like, there's no way we can outrun it. We can, we're not professionals. We're not going to outbike this. So we just went to the beach and we stood there and we were seeing whether or not we were going to get Tealeonied. And uh, then the tsunami didn't happen and we were okay. Anyway, I have no idea why I started that detour with the tsunami and the impossible, but we were talking about Roger Goodell and we were talking about Roger Goodell taking a question about diversity from the NFL network. Oh, which was totally planned. Great. So here's what he said. This is pretty good. I don't think you take anything off the table until you have people look at that. Help us independently say, is there something flawed with our process? He's talking about coaches being interviewed because he realizes that the whole Rooney rule, which is what Reverend Sharpton asked him to get rid of because it's not leading to more black head coaches. He's saying, maybe you're right. We're not doing well. We have to do better. He said, we're really focused on trying to get the kind of results that we would expect. And we fell short by a long shot. And everyone has taken his quotes and his comments and said, bam, we've got ourselves a winner in the Brian Flores lawsuit. Well, let me give you one little piece of advice when you are speaking to the media and you are the commissioner of the NFL. Not only do you speak to your PR people, but guess who else you speak to? Your lawyers. There is no way his lawyers would let him say what he said. He had it prepared in front of him. He knew exactly what he was going to say about the interview process, about the Rooney rule, about minority hiring, all of it. And not one thing he said rises to actionable in a lawsuit. Not one. Not one action. Not one statement. He complimented Brian Flores on saying what a good head coach he is. He talked about all the different ways the NFL wants to get better and do better and be better. But nowhere, nowhere did he say that there has been a practice of racial discrimination. So he then goes on to answer a few questions, talks about some other things. And then he runs into a Mack truck. Can you believe the Washington Comskins are still creating problems for Roger Goodell? Daniel Snyder, the owner of that team, came out during Super Bowl week, which you're not allowed to do, might I add. And he announced that he's hiring, get ready for it, the independent investigative team led by Matthew Coca, David Sampson, Bonnie Jonas, no relation to Nick, and Tiffany Mahler. Why is he hiring this independent investigative team? Because he wants to find out whether Tiffany Johnston was telling the truth. And if she was telling, if she had been telling the truth, she's the one who testified in, in front of that congressional subcommittee saying that there had been 
a few things done by Mr. Snyder that weren't too proper. And he denied it, saying it was 13 years ago. She's the one who had retired, resigned, saying I had the greatest five and a half years. And it was a cheery. Remember that from a few days ago, Coca? It was a cheery resignation letter. That one made me laugh. I still think about that segment. Don't know what day it was, but check that out because I laughed. So Daniel Snyder, just to get this straight, is hiring a firm, paying a firm, and that firm is supposed to investigate whether he is in charge of a workplace where there's misconduct, whether he had inappropriate relations with anybody, whether he made anyone uncomfortable, whether he himself harassed anybody. Anyone want to talk about MLB's blue ribbon panel? George Mitchell, Rick Levin, remember that panel? It was the steroids, the independent panel who released their report. And everyone said, oh, they've come down and released it. By the way, thanks for the correction, Coca. We also got it from a listener. The 15 commandments down to 10, that's history of the world, part one. And there was never a part two. That was from yesterday's show. So the NFL sees this and says, I'm not sure I understand how this is going to work, Dan. Are you telling me that you think you're hiring a company and that you're not going to see the report before it's released? Because everyone who commissions a report doesn't have it released without not just proofing it, but writing the damn thing, editing it. This is how it works, folks, in the real world. In the real big bad world up in the C-suite, when they commission reports, they will only release exactly what they want to have been found. And then they'll call it independent. There's something in investment banking on Wall Street. There's something in law firms. There's something in corporations called walls. They're actually called Chinese walls. I'm not sure why they're called that. And I'm not sure that's the appropriate term anymore, Coca. But the term is meant to say that, oh, I guess the wall of China, the Great Wall of China, maybe that's what it's from. I'm just spitballing here because I actually don't know. But it's sort of those things, right? It used to be when you were younger, you'd say, hey, go sit Indian style. Now you have to say crisscross applesauce. So I'm just saying that I may have it wrong. It's not called the Chinese wall anymore. But maybe there's no problem with calling it that because it's after the Great Wall of China. I'm not sure. But the wall is that they're supposed to be, even within an organization, the banking side is not supposed to have anything to do with the research side. So when the research says, buy this stock, all of a sudden, the investment bankers are saying, yeah, by the way, thanks for buying the stock because we're selling the company. Don't buy the stock. We're buying the company. Nah, we never act together. No one knows what's going on within a company. No one talks to each other because there is a wall. And the people on top say, we just let everyone do their jobs. So in an independent investigation, when you are paying, Daniel Snyder is going to pay $500,000, let's say, to a company to come up with an investigation that may say, and he'll read it when you do, Daniel Snyder is a monster. He did the following 15 things. And Daniel Snyder says, hi, did you get my check? Did it clear? GFU, man. GFU. GF, cut that. Four, six, nine. Hey, did you get my check yet? GFY. It's not how it's going to work. It cannot be an independent investigation when you are the one paying for it and it's investigating you. It's absurd. Charles Emerson Winchester, it's absurd. So Roger Goodell had to deal with that. And he dealt with it in a very funny way. 
He said something. I do not see any way a team can do its own investigation of itself. Hey, Roger, be super careful, okay? Because when you say that, then you may have someone on a show called Nothing Personal where they say, can the NFL do an investigation of itself? Can they commission an investigation? Teams can't, but can you? I'm just throwing it out there. So Dan Snyder doesn't get to pay for the investigation. It reminded me, Coke and I talked about this pregame, and he has a different view than I do. Do you remember when the original investigation over the Washington football team's workplace misconduct was done, and it resulted in a $10 million fine and Daniel Snyder stepping away from the day-to-day and leaving it to his wife and what a joke that is? And at first, Daniel Snyder was going to do that investigation. He hired someone from Beth Wilkinson may have been her name, or maybe she was from the firm Wilkinson. I can't remember, but assume her name is Beth Wilkinson. And the NFL said, no, no, we'll take it from here. And they used the same person. And now we're finding out just a few months later, because this was back in July, that the reason why nothing was ever made public is there was an agreement between the NFL and the Washington football Anders not to release anything publicly. Are you surprised by this? Is this a coincidence? And I said, Coca, the NFL is just going to use the people that Snyder hired. And Coca said, no chance, toilet pants. He wouldn't say that, actually. He would never lower himself to the level of that sort of alliteration. And so I think it's going to be the same people. Coca thinks it's going to be different people. And the people hired originally by Snyder to do this recent newest investigation will get paid for actually not having to do anything, which is his kind of job. So how does that end, would you say? I'll tell you how that ends. (laughs) It ends with the released report, which will completely exonerate Daniel Snyder. NSS. When we come back, we're going to review another documentary about people who just are unbelievable con people. And then we will get to what's happening in Florida with Major League Baseball. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. See what I just did? If you're on, on YouTube with Nothing Personal, Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, right during that break before this review, I had a sneeze and I didn't put my finger on my mustache, which actually can work. If you put it on your mustache and press up against the bridge of your nose, you can stop a sneeze. But I really needed to sneeze because I'm also schwitzing because I miscalculated. I've had a bad morning, okay? 
I miscalculated my run because I decided, which I never do, but I felt especially not healthy because I had Indian food last night and I overate. I had a bit of a tummy ache. I wasn't happy with how I looked. So I said, instead of doing what I'm supposed to do, which is four, I'm going to do five. But I only decided that once I was on the treadmill. And then I said, whatever, it's an extra nine and a half minutes, 10 minutes, whatever pace I'm running, which was 940 this morning. I'm not fast. I'm not slow. I just am. I keep going like the like the Energizer bunny. In any case, I miscalculated. So I had to finish running and then I was late to start the show, which means I started my shower sweating because I always calculate the amount of time I need post-run pre-shower because if you get in the shower sweating, then you get out of the shower sweating. Therefore, I got out of the shower, still sweating. I've got my handkerchief here trying to make myself not sweat. I'm drinking water, don't have my Gatorade, and now I'm sneezing. And on top of that, I have another show after this. <sighs> Sorry. Where was I? The Puppet Master. I'm reviewing The Puppet Master, which is a three-part series, but it's not long. I think it's one hour plus a half hour plus one hour, three episodes. And I reviewed The Tinder Swindler recently, and The Puppet Master is about another con man. There's a guy named Robert Hendy Freegard. And the craziest thing about this story is something that we have seen many times in movies. There are people who just have the ability to have other people do whatever they want them to do and not ask questions. There are people, it's like cult leaders. People leave their family, they get sucked into a cult like Scientology. Am I gonna get kidnapped right now, Coca? Scientology is a cult. I still watch your movies, Tom. And of course, Greece is the word, Johnny boy. But you think Leah was really wrong? So it's about a cult, the puppet master. It's a one-man cult. And this guy got this woman to fall in love with him, the mother of two kids. She abandoned her kids. Her kids have been looking for her for seven years. And it turns out it's the same guy who was in jail for kidnapping, claiming he was MI5, like James Bond-type stuff, telling this guy and two girls they had to come with him because the roommate was in the IRA. And it was a bunch of BS. They end up doing a bunch of LSD and deciding they're going to go MIA, and they did. That's it. It's the puppet master. Guess what? He's not in prison. He's still with the woman. The kids still don't know where their mother is. And there was this one guy who looked for his daughter who disappeared for 10 years. 10 years. And the guy kept looking. Peter Smith, I think, was his name. And this con man, Robert, who's still alive and still with this other woman, somehow has convinced people throughout his entire life, hey, just disappear with me. But by the way, could you do me a favor? Could you wire me some money, please? He's stealing their money. It's a joke. The puppet master. I can't. Hold on. I need to touch my mustache again. I think it's working, Coca. Oh, no, wait, I really do have to sneeze. It's not working. I wish I could look into the light. I have these lights here, but they're not high enough. Like when you look into the sun to make you sneeze, they're, oh, that one's higher on my right side. Nope, it's gone. God, dog it, dang it. Puppet master, it's worth two and a half hours of your time, if only so it can convince you never, ever to wire or give money to anyone. Simon Liviev or whatever the Tinder swindler's name was, this guy, the puppet master, 
If you see yourself getting sucked in, stop. And if other people are telling you, hey, I think you're doing too many drugs. Hey, I think you're giving too much money to this crazy guy. Hey, you don't return my calls anymore. We don't play poker every week. Hey, we don't go to the movies. You may want to pay attention because the likelihood is you're being conned. Well, the owners meetings end today in Orlando, Florida. Did you see, Coco, what happened to Bob Saget? Speaking of Orlando, Florida, where Bob Saget died a couple weeks ago. There were no drugs. There were no alcohol. They released what happened. I just want to say a word about this. He hit his head and he went to sleep thinking nothing was wrong and he died of a brain bleed. It reminded me of the Natasha Richardson death, which was 13 years ago, the wife of Liam Neeson. She also hit her head, just a little nothing fall on a bunny hill skiing and thought everything was fine, had a headache and then died. I guess I would just say this. The tragedy is hard to even fathom. But anytime you hit your head just a little bit, just make sure you get it checked out. You can go to any urgent care, any clinic, even if you don't have insurance, just go to an emergency room because you, that's one way you don't want to go. I mean, listen, there's a thousand ways you don't want to go, but that would be one of them. Rest in peace, Bob. So Rob Manford is in Arizona with the owners and those meetings end today. Rob Manford has to do what Roger Goodell is doing, which is at the end of every owner's meeting and during the World Series, Rob Manford meets the media. So the media in Orlando, there's a interview room where there will be chairs set up. This morning, there's something called the joint owners meeting, which means every owner and another person like the president and a third person. So let's say there are about three per team. Some teams send one, some two, some three. The Yankees always sent four, by the way. They were always funny. They would have Lon Trost. They'd have Randy Levine. Then they have Hal Steinbrenner. That's only three. There was always a fourth. Maybe it was the Red Sox who had four with Henry, Werner, Lucchino, and Kennedy. That's four. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a bunch of people. You're at the meeting. The meeting will go from 8.30. There's breakfast from 7.30 to 8.30 a.m. this morning. Then they go into the meeting. It starts at 8.30. They start with roll call. Then they call the meeting official when there's a quorum, which there is because all 30 teams are represented. And then there's a schedule of things to go over. And nobody asks any questions that aren't planted. And then the meeting ends. And then owners get on their planes and they leave or they get in their cars and they drive. Some owners stop and talk to the media right after the meeting, but it's not very common because the media is waiting for the commissioner. So the commissioner then says goodbye to the owners and then walks in and meets the media. Today is gonna to be a very important day because everyone is expecting the first question and Rob is going to hit it straight on. Spring training is delayed because we do not have an agreement with the players and there is no path to an agreement in time to have an off season and get the players to report in time in six days. No way, Rob. That's the big announcement. No, we have another announcement. On Saturday, we will be having another face-to-face -face meeting on core economic principles and issues, and we will be giving a counter offer to the counter offer, which was countered by another offer. So that's a very important thing, Rob. What's going to be in the meeting? And who's going to be in the meeting? 
And just out of curiosity, what's in the counter proposal? Well, I don't want to talk about that, but we all know what the main issues are, and we are ready and willing to meet with the players as much as it takes in order to get a deal done. Well, Rob, are, what about the regular season? I'm glad you asked about that. I am not prepared to tell you that we will not be able to start the regular season on March 31st, but it is very much in jeopardy. That's what the PR people tell Rob to say, because you want to let the players know that the regular season is in jeopardy, which means their first paycheck is in jeopardy. But the players have already been told that by their own union leaders, because everyone's done the math. And the math is five weeks, one week of an off season, four weeks of spring training, start the regular season. So you need five weeks, March 31st minus five weeks, as I've told you, is February 31st minus seven, which is February 24th. There's only 28 days, not 31. So you go February 21st. That's only 11 days. Rob Manford's going to let people know that if we don't have an agreement here in the next week or two, the start of the regular season will be in jeopardy, but we are ready to work around the clock to get an agreement done in the next 10 days. Those would be the talking points that I would have. We're ready to meet. It's got to get done now. Spring training is postponed, but the regular season is not yet. Meanwhile, the players are meeting in Florida and Arizona, and they're very, very organized this time, which is scary for the owners, but not that scary. But they're much more organized and much more serious than they've been. Garrett Cole sent out a tweet yesterday, which was written and formulated by the union for him to send out. Garrett Cole, who's very nervous about the situation here because he has no financial protection at all in case his first paycheck is missed. He said, I was at our PA meeting in Arizona, and it was exciting to see solidarity this high. We had 100 plus players show up and are united to protect the integrity of the game. Let me give you the equivalent of having 100 players at a meeting in Arizona. just between us. Imagine if Rod Manford showed up in Orlando with the owners meeting and there were three owners there, three, a hundred players. There are 1200 players in the union. Oh, they were there by conference call. They have, we've, we are on a group text. You hear a lot of player reps saying that I've got a group text with every player on our team and we are all united. Go team, go oh, you can't expect players to fly all the way to Arizona just to have a meeting. Well, owners fly to Florida just to have a meeting. Yeah, there's only 30 of them. It's easier for them than it is for players. I understand all the arguments you could give me. I really do. However, when the union is trying to tell you that, that there is a united front, they're not talking to the fans. They're talking to the owners. They're trying to get the owners to be scared. They're trying to get the owners to think, my God, are the players not going to cave? Garrett Cole is the worst spokesperson for the union. So is Max Scherzer. I want to hear from the 600 players who make the minimum, who are never going to make arbitration or free agency. I want to know where they stand on these issues. Just, I'm just spitballing here. I'm just asking. And then when I nominate a player to talk on behalf of the union, do I really want it to be Garrett Cole? 
Is he the person to talk about integrity? And I'm listen, I know you're all Yankee fans, whatever, right? Garrett Cole, Mr. Foreign Substance Guy, right? The guy who clearly was aware of what was going on when he was on the Astros. It's all good. I'm just saying that him tweeting out that we are united to protect the integrity of the game. Is he the right guy to talk about the integrity of the game? I'm just asking a question. When you're trying to find one of the hundred people who showed up to the meeting in Arizona, or do you maybe call one of the people who didn't show up? Maybe. I guess you could do that. So what's going to happen here? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Rob will meet the media. Wait to see. I mean, that's not an official wait to see, Coca. I'm not going to say wait to see. I've got another wait to see I want to get to. But wait to see. Spring training postponed. Regular season not postponed yet. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I'll tell you what else we'll talk about tomorrow is the nothing personal pick of the day because we continue to be H-O-Triple-T. We had the Cavs giving seven during the show yesterday. When the game happened last night, the Cavs were only giving five and a half because everyone was betting the Spurs. Why were you doing that? The Cavs crushed the Spurs, covered by a touchdown. We are 20 and 14, and I got two picks for you tonight. So it's always interesting what happens right after the trade deadline. In baseball, teams who have the risk of being broken up or you're worried about your friends getting traded. Leading up to the deadline, there's a ton of anxiety in the clubhouse. All the players are speaking to the front office. Am I being traded? Am I being traded? Who are we getting? Who are we trading for? We need help here. We need help there. We need help anywhere. And then once the trade deadline passes, there is this visceral sense of relief inside the clubhouse. I believe the Brooklyn Nets are going to have that sense of relief tonight. Because I do not believe that James Harden is going to be traded today. I believe the Nets will start playing better because they cannot play worse. Remember, Harden, there is a, he wants to, let's just deal with the issue of Harden. He's unhappy in Brooklyn the way he was unhappy in Houston. He believes that he's better than he is. He believes he holds all the cards. He acted in such a way as to get himself out of Houston, and he's starting to be that way in Brooklyn. But I believe that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will stop him from being that way. I really do. I do not believe Harden will get moved because Daryl Morey has told you that while he wants to trade Ben Simmons, he's not going to take 10 cents on the dollar. Well, guess what? Neither Sean Marks for James Harden. You're not just going to trade James Harden because you think he's unhappy. It's not worth it. But I think the Nets will find a way against the Washington Wizards. The Nets are getting three. We're taking them. But I want to take a second game today. Although the last time we picked two, we went one and one. But I still like this game. The Mavs are giving seven to the Clippers. I have been a Luka guy. I still prefer Luka to Trey Young. Luka to me is a top five player. Will end up being a top 75 player of all time. Mavs, minus seven over Clippers. Nets, plus three over Wizards. All right, Coca. You know what I want. I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Someone tweeted at me yesterday, Coca, that finally, after listening to Nothing Personal for two years, they sat down and watched Half-Baked. I hope you liked it. 
So So You Want to Talk to Samson is based on a character in Half-Baked, which is a movie you should watch if you're mostly baked. And there's a character named Samson. Get into my Twitter at David P. Samson after you followed and rated and reviewed Nothing Personal and told your friends about it. And then ask a question right in the DMs. Hello, David. Hello. How come you haven't even mentioned the Olympics during your show? <laughs> Listen, I'm putting that in the show because I appreciate that. There are myriad sports that I don't get to mention. There's myriad things. We have to cut the show down. We could do an hour and a half. Do you hear that, CBS? I mean, you pay us three times what you're paying us. We'll do twice the work. No, I haven't mentioned the Olympics. Why should I? Is anyone watching the Olympics? They're the least watched. I get a breaking news alert every month in Gdanishtik. Literally every two seconds. Just right now during the show, U.S. inflation climbed 7.5% in January. Ooh, that's not very good. Kings snap warrior streak. Ooh, interesting. You received 26 cents in Apple Daily Cash. Nice. What do I do with that? Inflation soared over the past year at its highest. Ooh, that's not about the Olympics. Huh. I did wake up to a bunch of alerts. Why didn't I mention the Olympics? There's nothing to talk about until today. So now I'm going to mention it. Did you see what's going on with that Russian 15-year-old skater? I have to talk to you about this because it's really quite staggering, actually. So there's a 15-year-old state skater named Camilla Valieva. She's 15. Are we clear on that? She's on the Russian team. The Russians are skating. They're not allowed to hear their own anthem or to wear their flags or to wear their colors because of all the doping. This is one of the great penalties of all time. You, your athletes can compete, but they can't wear the CCCP uniform. That's really, you're, you're, you're showing them, you're showing them what it means to be a dope. So they get to go to Beijing and they get to compete and they win the team gold medal. Now, what's amazing about Camila Valieva is that not only is she 15, but guess what? She tested positive for a banned drug. So the IOC found out about this and they delayed the medal ceremony like some sort of photo finish after a horse race. Is that official? Is that official? And you close your eyes and you wait for the race to become official and you're not sure because they're looking to see whose nose finished ahead of who and who finished where and whether or not there was any sort of poking, prodding or illegal moving during the course of the race where you couldn't shine a flashlight through them. Well, that's what's going on right now in the Olympics. They are not giving the medals to anyone in team skating because they're trying to figure out whether or not this Russian team and this Russian skater should be banned. She took the drug called trimetazidine, trimetazidine. And what they're claiming is that, hey, that doesn't really help an athlete. That's not a performance enhancing drug. And then they said, well, true, it's been on the banned list for eight years. But that said, it just helps blood flow to the heart. It doesn't help you become a better skater or land a triple Lundy. Meanwhile, this 15-year-old is the one who landed the quadruple spin in slow motion on Tick Instagram or whatever, which was unbelievable. And apparently, if blood flows to your heart in a different way, I guess there's medicine that makes your blood flow to all different places of your body. And sometimes you want blood in certain places, and sometimes you want blood in other places. But when you're an athlete and you're actually on the court, it's better to have blood in your heart than below the belt. 
So you take medicine according to what you want. But no, it doesn't help in any way. So they came out. There was a Russian journalist who said, this is not doping in the conventional sense. This cardiac drug has no impact on performance. Please leave Camila in peace. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Russia as a, as a country, as a power, whatever they call themselves, they have in the past, there's the movie we had you watch called Icarus. They are the king of dope. You know that, right? They do it in a way that is so blatant and so full of ego. Listen, when our athletes do steroids, they try to hide it as best they can, right? We try not to screw around with the doping agency. We try to have rules in place and we're really trying, we're not helpful. We may turn our backs from time to time, but we're not helpful. The Russians actually are the opposite. Like they have doping programs. Like you want to be with us, you're going to be a dope because you're going to dope. So they acknowledge this, right? What makes me laugh about it is that all of the sanctions and penalties and the documentaries and the people who have been disappeared, none of it matters. The fact that they were banned from the Olympics for doping doesn't matter. They're still doping because the athletes are there. And when they go to the athletes, they knock on the door of the training facility and say, hey, check out this needle and put it right into your tuchus. Can I repeat again what's happening? The athletes are there from Russia, but no flag, no national anthem. And that was their punishment. We'll show you. Weren't the Olympics more interesting when during the Cold War, like when you really so badly wanted to be angry with the East German judge for giving a 4.2 to your figure skater and you so badly wanted to beat the Russian Olympic team, right? Remember that feeling of patriotism with the Olympics where the medal count mattered and all you wanted was to finish above Russia? Those were days, right? That's not where we are today. I'm not sure there's 25 people in the country right now who are saying, what's the medal count right now? I have a question, Coca. You know where I am in the document. So just yell it in my ear. Do you know the medal count off the top of your head? Who's leading the medal count? Which country? I don't know either. I'm going to give you a wait to see though. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm going to give you a menu of wait to sees, write them all down, remember them, because we're going to revisit them, some of them, tomorrow. Number one, MLB will postpone spring training. Number two, MLB will not postpone the start of the regular season today. Number three, Russell Westbrook will not be traded by the Lakers, even though the Lakers stink. They lost to the Blazers. Did you see that? God, did they stink. Westbrook didn't even play. He had like a back issue, blah, blah, blah. He had an issue with his coach. Number three, James Harden will not be traded. Number four, Ben Simmons will not be traded. And last but least, Russian team skating will not get their gold medal. They are going to find a way, even though Russia will say, oh, it's not even a real doping drug. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to see here. When the team skating gold is given out, it will not be to Russia. So you will get to hear the anthem and see the flag of the country who had the silver. By the way, Norway currently leads, if you're asking. It's just business. See you tomorrow.
This is nothing personal. 